Positively Joy. Are you living life but feel like something's missing? You've come to the right place. I'm Yvette Walker, your host for this podcast on finding the true meaning of God's joy. Joy is not a feeling, it's faith. And my guests and I will talk about how to avoid falling down the rabbit hole of chasing physical or emotional joy. In this season, we'll tackle spiritual growth as we discover the true joy of the Lord. Hope you caught our extra episodes last week and this week with Bible translator Brian Simmons and compassionate podcaster Dallin Candlin. This week, our conversation is about forgiveness, and it's a really unique episode. Could you forgive your grandmother's killer? After the break. From Positively Joy Ministries comes Journaling in His Joy a new journal that can help you discover what brings real joy by journaling every day and creating a six-month record of memories worth collecting. With over 240 journaling pages, monthly and weekly check-in sheets, and weekly coloring journal pages, this guided journal will help you find joy even in difficult times by actively looking and choosing to see it in every moment. In this journal, you'll look for joy every day and record what you see and experience. Maybe you'll experience it in a rainbow or a song or in the sound of laughter. Choose joy on days where nothing seems to go right and spread that joy to others. Get your copy of Journaling in His Joy, available at Amazon and other fine booksellers. Today's guest is Sarah Gregory. Her story is hard to fathom. She has forgiven the man who killed her grandmother, but not only that, spent hours with him on death row the day he was executed. But her forgiveness wasn't automatic, and she had a long, hard road to get there. Let's hear more from Sarah. Sarah, thanks so much for appearing on the podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, you and I met actually from uh, another podcaster who told me about you and who thinks really a lot of you, Jesse Jackson from Set Lusting with Bruce. It's funny because I was on his podcast and it's kind of a different area than I talked about. But hey, who who doesn't ever want to talk about music, right? It, it was a lot of fun. So listeners, if you haven't listened to that podcast, Set Lusting with Bruce, Uh, And just look for the episode with Yvette Walker. But he mentioned you, Sarah. And as I got to know you a little bit, I learned that really your story is one of forgiveness, which is so important. And I think uh, we're going to talk about that today. And I think that so many people need to do some self-reflection and see if there's any areas in their life where forgiveness, you know, makes sense. Because it can change lives. Would you agree? Absolutely. Without a doubt. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So you're a mother of two, you're a grandmother, um, you worked in the uh, addiction treatment area. Right. And something happened 
this year, this summer, in fact, that really made a big impact on your life. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So in 2001, my grandmother, who was also my best friend, she was definitely more than just a grandmother. Um, we lost her to, to a violent crime. A friend of ours, a longtime friend of the family, um, ended up, he was high on drugs and he ended up murdering her. So I spent, you know, almost, almost 20 years, about 19 years, just in, filled with complete hatred and rage towards this man um, that I had once loved as a member of our family. Um, and then he just literally, for so long, the rage that I had for him destroyed my life. It led me down a very, very dark path for a long time. Um, and I was lucky enough to come out of that path and to find the light again. But for the longest time, I just I still could not let go of the anger that I had. And it was eating me up. So I um, took some steps in 2020 to start to work on forgiving him. Only through some interventions by God, honestly, was I finally able to make those steps. And it turned into one of the most beautiful friendships I've ever had. And then in, in July, he was executed by the state of Alabama. But I was there with him. I was there as a friend, not as somebody that was angry and hurtful anymore. And I had um, approximately seven hours with him beforehand. That was one of the some of the most seven greatest seven hours of my life. Honestly, it was absolutely amazing. The things that I witnessed during that time. Wow. That, that is a, that is a really big experience. Uh, your, your, your dark path included addiction itself, right? Correct. I mean, you're now you're helping other people yes. get, yeah, get out of that. Yeah. So what was his name? He, he was executed in July. What was his name? His name's James Barber. Mm. And he killed your grandmother. It was, you said, about 19 or 20 years ago. What year was that? 2001. Mm. May of 2001. Mm -hmm. He was on a cocaine binge and robbed her for some money and it, it went south. So You were, I mean, that was a long time ago. You were a much younger woman. And you were friends with your grandma, you know, any kind of tragedy like that at any age would be terrible. But because you were, you know, you're a much younger woman, how are you, I'm going to say, I'm going to ask how you were able to handle that. Obviously it wasn't well. <laughs> the, the immediate after effects that, that immediate time I handled it pretty well. I have that caring personality where I absorb everybody's feelings and I want to protect everybody. and help fix everybody. So I really focused on my family, my mother, my grandfather, my aunt. It was her boyfriend of seven years. So, and she was in a year of sobriety, just a year. And we did not want to lose her. My grandmother was just so ecstatic that she got that year of sobriety mm -hmm. right before she passed away. So really surrounding them and putting my focus in and how can I help them get through this time? It was quite a few months later that it, it kind of fell apart for me. But in that immediate time, I just, I just wanted to help them. I moved in with my grandfather for about three months, took a semester off of college. I was living in Maryland. So I came back down South and in Alabama and, and stayed with him in the house. And so he wouldn't be alone and just really tried to help him adjust in whatever way we could navigate those unknown waters that we were in at the time. 
Wow. So in that beginning, you know, you were keeping it together. You were helping your family. What happened? Why do you think you couldn't continue down that road? I, I was having nightmares, a lot of PTSD symptoms. There were there were some things that we saw very early on that I mean, nobody should have to have to see and, and have to learn. And then the trial was very hard, to say the least. Um, depression kicked in. Nightmares were coming. I wasn't sleeping that much. And when I went back to school, every I was putting my energy into everybody else. And so when I went yeah. back and I was essentially alone, uh, I didn't have that time anymore and that energy to put into helping somebody else. And, and I didn't do a very good job helping myself, though. What um, well, was that, now your grandmother clearly was a big influence in your life. You know what? Let's honor her. What's her what was her name? Dorothy Epps. We call her Dottie. Oh, Dottie. Dottie Epps. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, obviously she had a great influence on your life. Was God in your life at that time? starting to be my mother at the time she's changed but my mother at the time was atheist um Mm -hmm. and my dad he's always believed he just never pushed anything on us we never went to church we never did any readings there wasn't god in our family Mm -hmm. he was in my grandmother's life and she knew my mom's beliefs so she was Respecting my mother at the same time of how she was raising her children, but making sure I got those acknowledgments and books that were out and conversations that she would have with me to to introduce them. And I always, from a very young age, I always remembering feeling what I couldn't describe at the time, but feeling something when I would have those conversations with her. And I just knew that I wanted to know more. And so it was actually... A couple of times during those three months that I was with my grandfather that just really stand out to me um, where I could literally feel him. And I remember during those times, I knew it was God. And so it just really got this love and solidified my belief in him more. Um, One time she was reading a Max Licato book when she was killed. And I started reading it exactly where she picked up on where she ended. I started reading it. Um, at nights there. And then one night, very clearly, I just lost it. And Rye was um, kind of broke down on the ground right where she right, right where she was laying at the time. And I remember I could literally feel arms come around me. And I just completely lost it. And, and that power and that strength and comfort that I felt right then, mm-hmm. you know, I knew I wasn't alone in there. And so I knew that there was something better out there than anything that I had known before. And that just kind of started it. And then from there, I just started researching and learning things on my own, honestly. But it it took you a while because this anger and, and probably the hate you felt for for this man who took her away from you consumed you in a way, would you say? It did. For a long time, it totally consumed me when I was in active addiction. Um, it continued to consume me until 2020. But once I got clean, I did. God just really started coming back into my life. And yes, mm. that was that peace and that anger that just kept such a dark place in my soul for the longest time. But he, 
my whole spirituality and my connection to God just grew and grew over those years. And mm. I think they grew to the point that he knew I needed to be as connected to him as possible for me to walk through what I walked through from 2020 to 2023. Um, I, I firmly believe because I had a very strong spiritual connection, but that, that peace just, there was so much anger still. And it's, it's hard to describe how you can be at peace with everything else around you because I really was, but that one area anymore. And it just, all that rage would come back when I would think about it or talk about it or dates would come up. And it just brought a piece of me that I didn't want anymore. I didn't want it. And I, I tried to get rid of it for a long time, you know, as a part of step work that I did to, to make my Myself better to keep myself off of drugs. I tried to address this and I, I couldn't. Something was blocking me and, until I totally gave it to God and He gave me everything that I needed to, to release that anger and that hate and then turned it around to, like I said, become that most absolute beautiful friendship I've ever had. So, wow. <laughs> Let's talk about when you, you connected, you, you must have had to reach out to the man who was in jail. How did that unfold? How did how did you decide, okay, I need to visit him or I need to try to call him? How did, can you remember that day? Oh, I remember it so clearly. That's what got Jesse and I connected because it has everything to do with music. Um, I had been trying to get the strength to write him. You know, my sponsor told me pray for him every night for quite a few months. I could not even say Jimmy's name. I couldn't get it out. Um, and I had been praying for the strength. And I remember it so very clearly. I was parking my car after work one day. I, I was lucky enough to get to work through the pandemic. So I had just gotten home and I was listening to East Radio and Bruce Springsteen's song Letter to You came on for the first time. I had never heard it before. It was very newly released. And as soon as it started, like the first few words caught my attention immediately. And I just put my car in park and turned the radio up. And I soaked in every single word that he sang in that song. And I broke down. Again, I just broke down and sobbed uncontrollably. And I knew, I knew right then and there that it was God giving me everything that I had been asking him for. How do I do this? How am I going to get the strength? What do I do? And it's, it may sound crazy, but it's like literally like that song was my blueprint to make it happen. I had to walk through that door and put the action in, you know, mm -hmm. that he gave me everything that I needed. And, 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 you, and that night. Yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah. That, that night I went in, that night I went in and, um, collected myself together a little bit. And I knew if I wrote it down, it would take me, like I had to get it out quickly, you know? So this day of age, I pulled out the laptop and just started typing away because I had to get it out as fast as I could. And I I wrote a letter to him. I did just like Bruce Springsteen saying, I put all the pain that I'd been in over the years. You know, I mixed the joy because some joy has come of it. I had mm -hmm. my daughter a year later. She reminds me exactly like my grandmother. You know, there's there's pieces of joy. It brought me closer to God. You know, I talked about that. And and then in the end, I just I literally I let it go and, and I, I forgave him and I, I told him that I did. And 
And I don't want to say that I thanked him, but I had an appreciation for everything that I had gone through up until that point. I knew then I didn't know what was going to come of this and I would have never expected what did, but I knew that something better was going to come from all of this than what I could see at the time. And so I thanked him in advance for being a part of that story for me. Um, and then let, and then mailed it off. I had no idea if I would ever hear from him again. And I didn't have any intentions, honestly, of writing him again. If not, um, I just, but I felt better. I wasn't saying it was 100% released. That release came later on. And I remember it very clearly when that happened. But it was like 80% of all that hatred was gone just by doing that. It felt amazing. Wow. Wow. And you did hear back from him. I did. I, I did. Yes. He he wrote me back. Um, I actually set it on my calendar for about a week. And I kept walking by looking at it. Um, I didn't know what would be in there. I didn't know what he had been doing in prison this whole time or where his, you know, where his attitude was, was with everything. It was very nerve wracking. And finally I just walked up to it after work one day and opened it up and it was it was very sweet there was no there was nothing mean in it he owned what he did you know and he told me about how he had found God throughout over 20 years ago or close to 20 years ago in prison there and the things that he was doing um for the ministry there and the things that he had accomplished over the years and how much he had always wanted to reach out but didn't want to hurt us and then he asked if we could start communicating. And I, I was okay. I was totally okay with it because as I sat on my stairs that night and I read his letter after a week of getting up the strength to do it, that is when everything lifted. That is when I had absolutely no anger. It literally, the weight came off of my shoulders. And, and I knew I knew this was what I was supposed to do. Again, not having any clue that what would come of it later on, but I knew this was the path I was supposed to be going down. And I had zero hatred for that man anymore. And from there, our communications just grew for the next almost three years. Mm -hmm. um, turned into phone calls, you know, to email communications that they do now more so than writing. Um, and just pro probably phone calls maybe four to five times a week sometimes. Um, wow, and that's wow. just how we grew. We got to know each other and he brought me closer to God. He taught me a lot about him. <laughs> wow. At some time, so he was executed in July. At some time, sometime before then, they would have moved him into another part of the prison where you probably did not have a, have perhaps as much communication with him. Or were you able to make, you know, they not, call that, they call that death row. Were you able to maintain that amount of communication? Yeah. So he's been on death row for 20 years. He stayed okay, in, the that, whole time. in that pod for over 20. Yeah. So mm -hmm. when he, when they moved him into the separate cell off of the execution wing, um, that was the week before and all communication stopped until I had my first visit with him. Um, so everything was cut off at that point in time, but Luckily, in Alabama, they keep them all together. Um, and I used to think he had like 24 hour, and they're actually pretty, they're a lot more relaxed than I ever imagined they were. 
So he had a lot of communication time and his own tablets. And um, he also got the men on death row to surround me. They helped me with my son. We prayed together. They would put me on, they would put the phone down and all of them would get together and pray with me and for my son. Um, I'm on the advisory board for the Holman prison's death row right now. Wow. Since everything happened, um, the men made me this box. I have it here. They made me this box of pebbles that they collected to say thank you for showing them compassion and love and showing them that forgiveness is is real and that God is real. And so it was very special to me. Wow. Wow. So, you know, there are probably people listening that are saying, well, okay, that's good for her, but I could never do that. You know, if someone killed my family member, you know, I'd be there cheering on the executioner. Um, you sound a little surprised yourself that it unfolded this way. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. And it's very, it's been a different kind of hat to put on um, because my family, some of them don't agree with it. Um, some of them are okay with it. My mom ended up finding forgiveness for Jimmy because she wanted to understand how I could come to that place. So she told me one day, she said, just ask him to call me. I want to understand. I, she wanted to defend me, really. When it when it came to other members of our family, she wanted to be able to defend her daughter. So she needed to know where I was coming from. Mm. And out of it, those two started talking for the last three months of his life every single day. And she went with me down to the prison also. But at the same time, when we went into lockdown the night of the execution, all phones are cut off. We're in a room with my family. There was um, three others that went, my mom, my aunt, and my uncle, and myself. And my uncle, you know, he has his own process. But the beautiful part about this was we were able to have conversations and have respect for each other and our feelings. And I sat right next to him and my mom, three different opinions on what was going on, all holding hands, supporting each other. Because we can be in our own process and that's okay. You know, this this is my story and this is what I needed to do. And I do hope that he is able to find that. You know, a lot of my cousins, because we were a very large connected family, a lot of my cousins have found forgiveness through hearing of my story and what I have done. So little by little, I'm able to help somebody. And then that means a lot to me. But honestly, it it means more to me that that I was able to experience this. And I believe that there's somebody even outside of my family that is able to be touched by the story. And I promised Jimmy that I wouldn't let it die with him. We Mm. had been working on as much of getting this out there as we could when he was alive. And that very last hug that I gave him, because I did get that seven hour, I got to see him for seven hours before. Um, The first time I'd actually seen him or been in the same room with him since since he killed my grandmother and I promised him I promised him that I would do everything I could to keep this out there because I'm a firm believer that somebody needs to hear this and everybody may not be ready and that's okay and it doesn't have to be to this extent but somebody has a piece of forgiveness they need to hear about in order to set them free 
that's all I want to do with this. And so speaking of that, if there's someone listening that has something heavy on their heart like that, but they can't let go, or at least not yet, what would you say to them? Just keep praying and keep asking God to to guide you and and what it is that that you need to do. Because that's all I did. It took me years. I just kept telling God, I don't want to feel like this. I don't want this anymore. And I don't know how to let it go. And when he was ready for me to let it go, it was clear as the day. Our song from Bruce Springsteen. (laughs) You know, it was so clear what I needed to do. And I knew. and, And that will happen, too. We keep praying about it. Thank you so much for sharing your story today and, you know, perhaps giving someone out there hope that needs to forgive and needs to move on with their life. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's my honor. Thank you for listening to Positively Joy. Go to PositivelyJoy.com to hear previous episodes and to learn more about our ministry and books. Support Positively Joy by becoming a Patreon member and sign up for our newsletter. Thanks to Mars Coleman for the use of his song, The Joy of Knowing. And thanks to Susan Marie for editing and production of the podcast. Till next week. Oh, the joy of knowing, the joy of knowing you.